Hello, and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. All right, so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to 2 Samuel chapter number 9. 2 Samuel chapter number 9. We've been in a series since the beginning of this year called Growth Spurt. And we have taken the deepest dive into David's life uh, that I've ever experienced. I've never gone this far into David's life teaching and preaching. But every single weekend, uh, I'm learning something new about David's life that is just blowing my mind. This weekend is absolutely no different. And so uh, uh, if you have uh, your Bibles, if you have it up on your phone, it will also pop up on the screens. Uh, I'm going to read you uh, the entire chapter. It's only 13 verses, but I want you to have a context uh, to what we are going to be doing and what the Holy Spirit is going to be saying today. Is that all right? So 2 Samuel chapter number 9, starting at the first verse. If you have it, say amen. Amen. Here is what it says. It says, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Can we just pause real quick? (laughs) Out of all the things David could ask, this is at a time where he brought the presence back into the Lord. We talked about this last week. He brought the Ark of the Covenant back into uh, uh, the territory of Israel. And uh, he has he has really vanquished all of the enemies that are surrounding him. He is experiencing peace. He is experiencing prosperity. God tells him that I'm putting an everlasting covenant with you. Your uh, seed will sit on the throne forever. David's experiencing unmerited favor from God. And one day he wakes up unsolicited, unprovoked, just happens to ask this question. Is there anyone from Saul's family out of all the families? The guy that was trying to kill you, that put you on the run, that made you disconnect from your community, that had you scared for your life? that has given us so many psalms about killing my enemy and breaking their teeth? That guy? Is there, is there anyone from Saul's family that I can be a blessing to? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Zebra replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, Zebra told him, at the home of Machir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and, da- and he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, "Greetings, Mephibosheth." Mephibosheth replied, "I am your servant." "Don't be afraid," David said. "I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan." I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog 
like me. Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your, grand, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. If you're taking notes on this message, please write this down. And you should be taking notes. Why? Because nerds rule the world. Please write this down. The title of this message is simply, pull up a chair. Pull up a chair. Bow your heads, let's pray over the word, shall we? Holy Spirit, help us to be comfortable at the table. Amen. I want you to imagine being David. I want you to imagine waking up one day and realizing how much God has done for you. You started as a shepherd taking care of your father's sheep in a household that you were ostracized, ignored, and overlooked. And you wake up one morning and you're in a palace, not playing the harp, not attending to the king's needs. You have to go somewhere and look at your reflection to realize, oh, snap. I'm the king? What kind of life am I living? See, see, when you've gone through some things in your life and your memory is not short, then it doesn't take you long to be thankful for where God has brought you. When your memory's not short, no one has to convince you to give God praise. When your memory's not short, it's very easy for you to reflect and be moved with some type of emotion that God has been so good to me. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. It doesn't mean that everything's good. You just understand that I would rather have my life be what it is with God than to ever live another day without him. David is reflecting on the fact that there is no way in my own power that I could have brought myself 
to this point in my life. There was nothing about my life that was projected to be the king of Israel. And he wakes up on a day like that after getting a covenant keeping promise from God, like your seed will sit on the throne forever. On a day like that, David gets up in the morning and because his memory is not short, he goes, I made a promise to Jonathan that, that, that I would always be in covenant with him and anybody in his family. Is there anybody still alive from Saul's family that I can show God's kindness to? Now, now, now this is strong be, be, because uh, he could have woke up and said, man, let's find out if anybody from Saul's family is still alive. Kill him. Because I don't want anybody to tell them a story and they get mad about what has happened and they come after me. And he doesn't even say that it was his kindness. He says, I want to show God's kindness to them. The Hebrew word for this kindness is the word kased. This word kased is this beautiful Hebrew word that uh, oftentimes in the Old Testament, the majority of the times it's used, it's used by God speaking and demonstrating what he wants to do to his people. But David uses this word in the same way God uses this word. The definition of kased is faithful love, unfailing kindness. It is love, it is mercy, it is kindness, it is loyalty, it is faithfulness, it is goodness, it is graciousness, it is godly action. David wakes up one day and he goes, I need to show kased to someone. I need to show some, some, some unsolicited, some unprovoked love, kindness, and mercy to somebody that's from Saul's family. And he gets this guy named Ziba, who used to be Saul's servant, and he goes, hey, is there anybody in David's family, I'm sorry, in, uh, in Saul's family that's still alive that I can show this kindness to? And Ziba said, yeah, there, there is someone. Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. He's crippled. David says, go get him. He doesn't say, what's his background? Is he a warrior like Jonathan? He doesn't ask for the resume. He just goes, somebody's alive? Go get him. Can you imagine Mephibosheth on the other side of this? Has lived his whole life. He understands the, 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 the line that he came from. That if everything would have went, went right with Saul, then everything should have gone right with Jonathan, that he would have been king at some point in his life. He has now lived his entire life understanding that I had the opportunity to be king, but something happened outside of my control, and I find myself in a situation like this. Can you imagine getting a call on that day that David wants to see you? Hey, Mephibosheth, uh, just heard from David, King David. He wants to see you in the palace. Did, did, he, did he sound mad? <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. He just said that he wants, to, he wants you to come to the palace because uh, uh, I don't know why, man. Just, just get dressed and come. Well, did, did he, did, how, how was the tone of his voice? 
Because if I'm the fifth chef, I'm thinking to myself, he gonna kill me. Did you tell him that I was related to Saul? Like, how did this conversation start? Did he bring it up? Let me rewind the tape real quick. Who talked first? My name got a lot of syllables in it, so how did the name Mephibosheth come out of your mouth? Did you say it with a positive connotation? You gotta come to the house. So he comes to the house, he has no idea what mood David's in. He just knows he cannot go against this order from the king of Israel. So he shows up, very humble. <laughs> and when he walks in, David's like, this is him? That's Mephibosheth? He's like, yeah, Mephibosheth! <laughs> like, he's, like, like, like he hadn't seen him in four days. <laughs> Mephibosheth, Phoebe! <laughs> What's up, man? So good to see you. And he is like, um... I'm your servant. <laughs> and David goes, no, 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 man, don't be afraid. Have a seat. I, I want to bless you. I want you to sit at my table from now on. I, I didn't bring you over here to visit. I brought you over here to live. Oh, and, and, and uh, y y your father was Jonathan, and, and your, your grandfather is Saul. You know, me and Saul got a pass, but it's in the past. <laughs> your, your grandfather owned all this land over here, so I'm going to give it to you. And every day, you're going to eat with me from now on. Mephibosheth is thinking about this context, and he says to himself, how, um, how could someone like me Hang out with someone like you. I am a dead dog. He couldn't even see himself the way the king saw him. Even though he got invited to the palace and got to sit at the table, what's running through his mind is a dead dog like me does not deserve to sit at a table like this. And David just keeps right on, yeah, man. Eat up, bring some wine, drink up. It's a feast and that's your land. From now, I'm, I'm not, there's no jokes. I'm not gonna take it back, this is all yours now. He begins to express Kassed in a way that blesses Mephibosheth's life. So I wanna give you the three attributes of Kassed. The three attributes of said. Point number one, please write this down. It doesn't discriminate. said doesn't discriminate. Here's what it says in 2 Samuel chapter number 9, verses 1 through 3. One day David asked, is anyone, what does it say? Anyone. Louder. Anyone. Louder. Anyone. Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Not any warriors. Not any people that fight like me. Not anybody that was of the royal bloodline that was next in line. Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? 
He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am. Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show them God's, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Cassette does not discriminate. Please write this down because I think this will save your life. You can't be God and be petty. I'll say it again. You cannot be God and be petty. This growth spurt today is about forgiveness. It's about what happens when you grow to the point that you stop punishing people for the mistakes of the past. And you tell people that don't even deserve to sit with you, pull up a chair. Come sit down. Let's be reconciled. If we can't be reconciled, let's resolve whatever is between us so we can both go on with our lives. He doesn't discriminate. He, he, he goes, wh- wh- whoever is from the family, I, I, I don't care if they're crippled. I don't care if they're lame. I don't care if they're blind. I don't care what they're into. They could have been a thief. They could have been a murderer. Whoever they are, bring them to the table. I don't discriminate. This is, this is just like God. God's, God's love, uh, every time I say this, I know there's some people that are going to be like, ah, I'm going to say it anyway, hold your breath. God's love is promiscuous. Told you. His grace is promiscuous. Because it will get with anybody. Whoever you are, whatever you're into, he goes, I'll take you. He just came out of the drug house. I'll take you. You're addicted to porn? I'll take you. You've been a liar. I will take you. You've been an adulterer? I will take you. You've been a cheater? You've been bitter? You've been unforgiving? Whatever you're into, I will take you right where you are. Cassette does not discriminate. Point number two. It doesn't intimidate. These all rhyme. I'm gifted. (laughs) Second Samuel 9 and 7. Here's what it says. The first three words, and I love this. Don't be what? Afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to pull up a chair. Don't be afraid to sit at this table. I know you're probably intimidated right now, but I want to take all of that intimidation away. Don't be afraid. I intend Hear that word. There's an intentionality to God's cassette. There's an intentionality to God's grace. I know what you've been through. I know where you are. I know who you are. I know where you come from. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. Let me just pause right there. You can keep that up. Anybody ever in here ever been promised something? Anybody? By a show of hands, you've ever been promised anything. Okay. Okay, hands back down. Anybody ever had that person who promised you something break that promise? 
So you know what that feels like, right? I promise I will have this back to you by next Friday. You been there, done that? Got the T-shirt on that one? I promise you this won't change our relationship. <laughs> got a little... Got a little personal on that one? I promise you I'll be back. Too personal. Ever had a promise broken? This is... The, David says, hey, um, I made a promise to your dad. He's not even around no more. And I'm still not going to break it. He wouldn't know if I followed up on this promise or not. But I'm a man of my word. Isn't David acting just like God right here? He can't lie. He goes, I'm going to fulfill this promise. I will give you all the property. This is amazing. That once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. It doesn't intimidate. Cassette does not manipulate. Happy to be at this table? Yes. You here? Just remember though. Remember. Remember, I did that. Don't forget it. If you forget it, you know. I might have to, you know. Now you know you owe me a favor later. Because where were you? You were a dead dog. You would have never been at this table, so just don't forget who brought you here. That's manipulation. That's control. He, he says, no, I don't want you to be intimidated. Don't be afraid. Relax. I'm not setting you up. Relax. I'm not about to have a conversation about your grandfather. I'm not bringing up the past. Relax. I just want to sit at this table with you. I want to show kindness to you. Not one time and then you go back to where you came from. I want to establish a new normal in your life by the way we relate starting today. It doesn't intimidate. Point number three, please write this down. It doesn't segregate. Kassed doesn't segregate. Here's what it says in uh, 2 Samuel 9 and 13, and because I'm a wordsmith, stuff just jumps out at me. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet. Can we just stop real quick? How many times are you going to tell us, writer? I mean, it's only 13 verses. You done told me about three times. He's crippled. He's crippled. He's still crippled. It's the last verse in the chapter. And crippled. He lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table and is still crippled, (laughs) died crippled, 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 crippled. He was at the table crippled. He ate food every day crippled. Got restored, God restored all of his grandfather's land to him crippled. He never got healed from being crippled. He never took another normal step in his life. His babysitter dropped him when he was about four or five years old and it crippled him and he was never the same and he was still at the table. 
He never had to get better before he sat down, and he didn't even have to get better once he sat down. Am I talking to anybody now? And I was talking with my, fr- my friend Craig in the back, and he said, you know what I thought about? Because he was here for the first service, too. He said, when you're sitting down at the table, you wouldn't notice that he's crippled. We all look equal at the table. It's only when we get up that we are reminded of how broken we really are. Now, at this point in the message, if you haven't figured out that you are Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth's story. Every single one of us is broken in some way. If you don't think you're broken, that's exactly where you're broken. (laughs) And what David is doing in this moment is such a type and shadow of what Jesus has done for us that I actually have Bible for it. Surprise. Ephesians chapter number two, verse number four, says this. But God is so rich in mercy, said, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead, can I pause right there? Yeah. What did Mephibosheth say? He didn't just say he was dead. I'm a dead dog. Now, I don't know what it is about the metaphor of a dead dog that just makes it worse. It's like a dead human is already like sad and tragic, like to see another member of humanity like lifeless is like it's very very sobering but then you but a dead dog you like oh oh but then he dead dead I don't know what it is about a dead dog that you like oh okay that's another level past dead you dead on a dog level it's a whole different dead even though you were dead because of your sins he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Parenthetically, and I don't know why it's in parentheticals, but whatever, Paul. Um, It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and did what? Did what? One more time, real loud, he did what? He said, pull up a chair. He seated us. He said, I know what you were into, but pull up a chair. 
come sit down. I know what you were into, yada, yada, sit down. He seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. I love this part. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kased toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Jesus. Here's how I feel like he's done, right? So, so everybody that already believes in Jesus, he, you know, he already put, you already put up a chair and you're sitting at the table. But, but for all future generations, here's how he, he does it. He tells somebody new. He goes, uh, hey, you, pull up a chair. And, and then they're like, I don't know. I can't pull up a chair. I'm a dead dog and I'm crippled and I've been through so much. And he's like, no, 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 no. Don't worry about that. Because you see, you see Sharon at this table right here? If Sharon can be at this table. <laughs> I don't have time to tell you everything Sharon's done. But if Sharon can be at this table, I'm going to make God Southern. You can show enough be at this. (laughs) You can show show enough be at this table. Hey, hey, pull up a chair. Well, uh, no, I'm broken and I'm a dead dog too. And uh, no, 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 no. You see Chris? If Chris can be at this table, you don't know Chris. Chris did some stuff. If Chris can be at this table, pull up a chair. Hey, there's a call of God on your life. I want you to pull up a chair, and I'm going to use you to preach my word. No, I can't do that. I'm a dead dog, and I'm broken, and I'm crippled, and I walk slow. And he's like, no, no. You see Tim? That kid was sexually abused when he was eight years old. A porn addict throughout his teenage years, highly promiscuous, a liar, low self-esteem. If I can use him, you can sit at this table. He doesn't segregate. He doesn't have like a crippled table over here. And I need all my lames to line up at this table over there. No, it's the same food. I just uh, can't be around lames. You know, I'm a blind people over here. If you just sit over here, he, he, he doesn't segregate. He doesn't go, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I need all my white people over here. And then put all, my, put all my black people over there. And then put all the Hispanic people over there. Put all the Southeast Asians right here. And put all the biracials just, oh. <laughs> I didn't know they were gonna get together and mix up. I don't I haven't found a table for them yet. He doesn't segregate. Dr. King said that 11 a.m. was the most segregated hour in America. So I just decided to have a 10 and 12 service. I got you, Dr. King. I picked up what you were putting down. I cracked the code on America's algorithm. They'll come at 10, they'll come at 12. He don't segregate. He doesn't intimidate. 
He does not discriminate. He wants you at the table. Pull up a chair. And when you sit at the table, stop seeing yourself through your own eyes. He doesn't want you at the table going, I'm a dead dog. I'm a dead dog. I'm so dead. Still dead. I'm a wretch. I'm a wretch. I'm a wretch. I lied. I lied. I lied. Look up. Who are you at the table with? You're at the table with a king. Are you lying now? It's hard to do that in the presence of a king. Lies happen away, away from the table, not at the table. A liar can't tarry in his sight. I'm, I'm going to pull up a chair, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to get used to what it feels like to eat from a table. that was supposed to be mine in the first place. But because of some brokenness, I was far away from it. And somebody loved me so much that they decided to invite me to the table, even though I never asked. We know what happened in Genesis 3. We were crippled from Adam and Eve on. But Christ paid a price. He has sat down at the table. And he invites all of us to pull up a chair. He's not going to discriminate against you. He's not going to intimidate you. And he's not going to segregate you. So have a seat and enjoy the meal. You're at the table. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.